Hello, and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the Ovoid Matt. Hello there. Hello. So, um, hey, ooh, lots to get through this week. David, can uh, I ask a question? Yes. Yeah. Is the moon an egg? According to Doctor Who, it is, yes. I, I have spent this week obsessed <laughs> with the idea that the moon is an egg. I have seen our official Twitter feed, uh, um, which you manage, yeah. It's just brilliant, isn't it? It's um, it's a lot of things. Kill the Moon, which is obviously the episode we're talking about this week, it is a, a lot of things, and we're going to have to do some serious unpacking when we get to it. Yeah. Um, but I think we're just going to have to table all of that for now, because we've got a, quite a lot of other nonsense to get through first, haven't we? Yeah. Shall we um, start with Time Lord Victorious? Okay, Time Lord Victorious, let's make this quick. Um, first things first, I listened to the... Um, second Paul McGann audio uh, drama this week, The the Enemy of My Enemy, um, which is pretty good. It's a, uh, it's that, you know, unprecedented, unprecedented premise of uh, the Doctor has to team up with the Daleks due to circumstances. But, I mean, we've kind of already seen that, like, you know, Asylum of the Daleks and, mm-hmm. you know, it, so it's, it's not quite as outlandish as um, it might seem at first glance. Having said that, I think it is still pretty solid stuff. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's not eclipsing Monstrous Beauty for me, the, the Doctor Who magazine comic. Um, still waiting to read the fir- third part of that. But um, uh, yeah, so overall, I'm still quite enjoying Time of Victorious. And then, of course, we had part two of the Daleks uh, yep. mini series. Have you watched it? I've watched it, yeah. I take what, it you have as well. What did you make of this week's episode? Again, the, the animation slows it down, doesn't it? It's. I, I, I think as well as the animation, I think the big problem this week yeah. is I think to make it appeal to the quote-unquote youth, yeah. they, they, they used Joe Suggs as one I, of the voice I actors. genuinely don't know who that is. Right, Joe Suggs is basically... An, if we've got overseas listeners, they won't be aware of this. But he's mm. basically, and I can't think of a better term to use it, he's one of those British YouTube... Um, right. He's yep. one of those, you know, like, Hi guys, welcome to the show. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe. You won't believe what mm. we're doing today. I pranked my dad. It's so oh. funny. Ha ha ha. He's one of those arseholes. I did... I'm assuming he played the, um, he the sort the... of robot custodian... Yeah. 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 Which took I, me I out of thinking, it because the Daleks yeah. like explain what is going on and he's like, Hi, follow me, I'll show you. Yeah, it wasn't a good voice performance, I will say. Yeah. I, I was thinking like, where did they dig this voice actor up from? So that makes a little bit more sense. That's yeah, that's irksome. But it didn't take me out of it completely. Uh I, I was I was basically in it this week for Nick Briggs' performance as a Dalek strategist. Mm. Because Dalek Strategist is is kind of tied with um, Brian the Ood for me as my favourite character introduced in Time Lord Victorious. I right. think the Dalek Strategist is a really, really interesting character. He, he pops up in some other stuff as well related to, to Time Lord Victorious, including the aforementioned um, 
uh, Paul McGann story that I was listening to. It's basically this call. They're, they're referred to as the Dalek Time Squad. It's this group of the the, the Emperor, the Executioner, the Scientist, and the Strategist. I, I'm glad you mentioned the Executioner. Yeah. I did an online BBC personality quiz this week yeah. uh, as to which Dalek would you be, and I got the uh-huh. Executioner. Amazing. Yeah, you know that that, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it. I think you just have to take it for what it is with with uh, the the Daleks mini series. Also, I feel like we, we've been saying it wrong the whole time because, of course, it's just written Daleks in capital letters with an exclamation mark. So I feel like we should be calling it Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> every time we refer to it, but that would get exhausting. From now on, every it? time we mention it, it'd be like, "Hello, welcome to the show, David." This week, have you watched Daleks? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what... Uh, I, I really what it, hope people are like. listening to this on the bus on their commute. <laughs> <laughs> we warned um, you last week, this week's episode's going to be fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're turning the ship around. And yeah. we couldn't have picked a better episode to do it on, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, right. I mean, the moon's not an egg, is it? <laughs> as far as I know, but then again... But is it an it egg? Could just, it could be. We don't know, do we? Right. Well, we, it, we, you know, we're working with at best impartial information. We've not done an ultrasound of the moon, have we? In in keeping with the idea that we're having fun this week, David. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to send you a picture. Okay. Go for it. I don't want you to discuss this on air. There's no context. But mm-hmm. when we agreed we were going to do a little bit of fun, I yes. found in an old family photo album this photo of me. Which is, it's labelled as the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> okay, so I'm just I'm sending that over to, this. to you. Uh, here we go. Just opening it up now. Do you want me to describe this to the listeners? No, I just want you to say, does, is that the face of someone having the most fun they've ever had? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um... It's not. It's not quite how it comes across in the image. I would say. <laughs> you see, it you looks seem... more like I'm in absolute agony. Yeah, I, I would have just said, said just more, just like strained ambivalence. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to hard to describe the exact expression you're pulling there. But uh, yeah, yeah. What about if the that, fact if that, that was I'm... if that was the peak for you? Then I, I, then you know, my heart goes out to you, Matt. <laughs> What about the fact that in that picture I'm nine years old, but I'm dressed like a member of Pearl Jam? <laughs> ah, there we go. Stuff. So there, there's competition for next week. Yeah. Uh, send in a quick tweet. What do you imagine I'm doing in the photo of the most fun I've ever had? Because mm. on on a Friday, I usually put a message out saying, that don't forget, episode out tomorrow. Yeah. And I always ask what people are having for tea. Yeah. But... Last week, obviously, we discussed living with Tom Baker and what I would mm-hmm. cook him for tea. Mm-hmm. So I got people to guess what's Tom Baker having for tea. This mm. week's question is, um, what is Matt doing in the picture where he had the most fun ever? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what people come up with for that. Yeah. Um, so shall I share my fun thing? You asked me to prepare a fun thing. Yeah. Um. So uh, I I thought to myself, what's more fun than a joke? 
And let's keep it on topic. Let's find ourselves a Doctor Who joke. So I just whacked Doctor Who jokes into Google. Uh, I, I expected to just end up with a load of, like, quotes of funny lines from Doctor Who, stuff like that. Yeah, but you but... know what the top hit was? Go on. It was um, a list of Doctor Who jokes on Beano.com. Right, well... The official I, Beano website. I, I'm, I mentioned recently I've gone back and listened to some of our old episodes. Yeah. And there's one where we look through an old Doctor Who annual and I read the jokes. And yes. you do not respond kindly. No. So, uh, I, I'm optimistic, but this could be destined to fail. Mm, well, if let's the, see. If the Beano's involved, it can only be good. Exactly. For our, for our international listeners, I think we've mentioned the Beano before. It's like a humour comic for kids in the UK. Mm. Um, what I love most about this is it clearly hasn't been updated since 2008. Okay, so there's like, going to be no modern references. No, and to, let's kick us off with 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 um, a great example. What did Rose Tyler have for tea? I think I think this question, I think this is one of the jokes that we've mentioned because I Possibly. think the answer is an unidentified frying object. It, you are correct. Yes, yes. I, like I say, I think that was one that was in the Doctor Who annual. Uh, possibly. Maybe they're all cribbed from there. Who knows? It, it could just be blatant um, content theft by the Beano. Um, the other thing that I should mention about these is they've they've like got their own sort of in-house meme generator kind of thing, where it's, they've all got this same uh, sort of basic sans-serif font and like these sort of uh, in, in inverted commas funky backgrounds. And you know various like poorly cropped emojis and 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 things like that. It's it's really like they are horrible to look at, <laughs> just horrible. Um, now I'll skip this one. How do, here we go. Um, see if you can get this one. It's a it's a thinker. How does a Dalek keep its skin soft? Is it exfoliate? Exfoliate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is this is uh, this is they've really put a lot of thought into this one, Matt. Why did the Cyberman cross the road? Why did the Cyberman? Yeah. Is it simply just to get to the other side? It's to upgrade the person on the other side, because oh. that's what Cybermen do, isn't it? Yeah. They 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 love upgrading people. They're mad for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one. Um, I particularly enjoy because of the background. Uh, it ex inexplicably has a background with um, either a deer or a kangaroo. I think it's a deer with um, just some uh, shades superimposed over it. So it's just like a cool deer, which bears absolutely no relation to the content of the joke, um, which is why do the Daleks eat apples? Uh, it's got to be an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Of so course it is. That. Of course it is. So I could keep going with these. I'll include a link in the uh, in the show notes so you can you can enjoy the rest of them in, on your own time, listeners. But uh, there you go. That's my fun thing. Doctor Who jokes, courtesy of the Beano website. What could be more fun than that? Well, I'm just having a quick think because if if the moon's an egg, <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and this idea has just come to me. Yes, okay. isn't the Doctor a little bit like Robin Hood? Oh, you're blowing my mind, Matt. Wow. We should have really... I'm going to make a note of that. We should have really thought about that sooner. We should have. We should have. Moon anyway. Um, equals egg 
Doctor <laughs> equals Robin Hood. There mm. we go. All right, that's that's something to address later in the episode. Um, so is it quiz time? It is. So All right then. For those of you new to the show, I don't mm-hmm. know why you would join us at this episode, but this well, is a very odd one to jump in on. Yeah, welcome one and all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, at the moment, we are running what is entitled the Wheelie Big Quiz, named after our favourite Robot Wars robot, Wheelie Big Cheese. Uh, it's got actually nothing to do with Robot Wars. Uh, mm. That that leads me to another point, David. I know, I know we're going off on tangents. Yep. Okay. How about this for a headline, if we link mm-hmm. it back to Robot Wars? Japan's farmers tackle rising wild bear attacks with robots. Mm, that's... So in Japan, they've basically built robotic wolves yeah. <laughs> that to fight bears. Ah, it's Logical kind of a shame. Progression of it's a shame. Wars. It's a shame that they're robotic wolves. In my head, I was just picturing like Gundam style, <laughs> <laughs> just just mechas, just stomping through the uh, uh, countryside of Japan. So yeah, yeah. We, we got distracted there. But the aim of the Wheelie Big Quiz is up until Christmas. We're raising a little bit of money for the Teenage Cancer Trust. There we are, uh, yeah. Our initial goal was to raise £10 a week with a total mm-hmm. of £120. Uh, we absolutely smashed that initial target. Okay. And our current standing, David, is 230 of £240 because we doubled our target. That's a lot of pounds, isn't it? It is. Now, we, we need to address something in relation to the Wheelie Big Quiz. Yeah. Because as well as aiming to raise some money, we have set a few goals that if we hit with our fundraising total, that me and you would do certain forfeits or rewards or, Mm -hmm. you know, just in keeping with the theme of fun, just some little fun activities. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the the initial target. how you're characterising them. (laughs) The initial target was £120. Yes. And the reward for that level was that you would write an apology slash speech for me to recite in which I would apologise for all my unpopular opinions on Doctor Who. Yes, and and trust us, listeners, that is coming. We're, we're saving that for the festive period. That will be yeah. a, a, yeah. a lovely treat to end on this year. So, Okay, then the second sort of prize level was £180, mm-hmm. where I said I would post a link to a cringeworthy workplace video. Now, the problem is, once that has been released this week, it actually features a number of students. I work in a school. Mm. It's not appropriate for me to share that material, no, it turns out. Not. However, in place of that, there is another reward I'm going to reveal at the end of this little segment. Mm. £200. David drinks a pint of baked beans live on yes, pod. Yes, and this was something you just casually threw out on Twitter with no prior consultation with me. No, it just came to me in a dream. <laughs> I, I saw a star in the north sky, and when I followed it, it was you drinking a pint of baked beans. Is there anything you want to say about that today, David? Well, um, it, it sat on my coaster right now, um, my lovely Doctor Who coaster that you gifted me uh, uh, many, many episodes ago. Um. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this, but oh. it, it it's happened. It's you know in place of the usual cup of tea, 
I have a lovely full pint glass of beans. Yeah, and there's a short video on our Twitter showing <laughs> yeah. that that is happening. So, David, yeah. what's your tactic? Are you going to sip at the beans? Are you going to chug the beans? I was. I think I'm going to have to just sort of sup casually throughout the episode. I, I'll, I'll go for an initial sup now. I haven't practiced this or anything. This could go horribly, horribly wrong. Imagine practicing um, drinking a pint of beans. Well, you see, I don't. I don't think they're going to go down as easy as you seem to think they will. I'm not really one for chunky drinks. I don't know about you. Have you warmed the beans or are they cold? No, cold, straight from the tin. Oh, excellent. Go on, give us a nice loud slurp of beans. I'll give it a go. (laughs) That is not a pleasant experience. Okay. Well, the taste's all right. I mean, it's not great because they're from Lidl. Um, but, um, you know, that... The, the, just the sensation of those going down. Uh, have you spiced is, the beans? Is there any Worcester sauce, any brown sauce, or is no, it just pure bean? Just pure beans. I'm not, wow. I'm not, I'm not messing, messing around. I'm not, I'm not... I don't think there is any way I'm going to enjoy this, no. is the honest truth. Well... I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so then so another, would... I'm going to have, have another quick sup because I've got I've got a lot to get through here. So bear with me one moment. Uh... That was worse than the first time. So that anyone is, listening, is... I'm just oh. having a lovely. <laughs> oh, that coffee goes down so smoothly. Mm. <laughs> so anyway. Our current total stands at £230. If we hit £240, which is double our initial target, Mm -hmm. I will admit, live on pod, that I am a Doctor Who fan. That's been a bit of a bone of contention between me and some of our listeners. Yeah. Um, So I think that'll probably tie in with our Christmas episode, won't it? I I expect so. We'll, we'll, We'll save that one as well. Okay. And if we hit £1,000, which is our very optimistic target, David mm-hmm. and I will kiss for four minutes live on pod. Yes. Now, I mean, this may have to uh, happen at, at a later date, post-COVID uh, restrictions. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is. It, it, I mean, it's there in black and white. Yeah. It, it's you, a, it's, you seem to it's be an warming option. to the idea. I'm, ju- I'm not warming to it. I'm just saying it's out there. If people really want to put... If, if people really want this to happen, then they know what they need to do. Yeah. So, anyway, as I said, I, I've effectively cancelled one of those rewards. So, if mm. we hit £240, which we can do today, David, if you were to get six out of six, yeah. not only will I admit to being a Doctor Who fan, but in the spirit of the pint of beans, I will eat on pod fish fingers and custards. Oh, excellent. Okay. I think that's in keeping with the tone. Certainly mm-hmm. more relevant than a pint of baked beans. But you're a good spot. You're a good spot. Yeah. You know what? I would I would have gone for fish fingers and custard over a pint of beans. Do you know 100%. what? I would have been a walk in the park. I think, if anything, I think this mug of coffee I'm having at the moment, if anything, is too nice. <laughs> Fuck you, Matt. Fuck you. I think it's it's too fulfilling. Anyway, right, so donations this week. We're going to start with, we need to go all the way back to last week. Uh, For those of you new to the pod, it's a bit like a soft reboot this week, isn't it, David? (laughs) We'll just explain everything we ever have done or will do. 
Uh, every I think week. you massively overestimate the amount of people who are going to be tuning in for the first time on this episode. Yeah, people are in lockdown. There's not much to do. Who's starting on Kill the Moon? Hey, hey, hey. If you're going to start anywhere, I wish we started with this. So, oh, Can you imagine this being the... Uh, look, 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 we're getting so de- derailed. Come on. Uh, let's let's go with the... De- let's uh, crack on with the donations. Okay, so every week, David has a sworn nemesis who plays the quiz against him and donates based on whether they score higher or lower than David. Uh, this week, well, I think this is from a week or two ago, David bested me in the quiz this week. I'm ashamed that I couldn't uh-huh. remember the guy that played Lumic. Ah, oh, well, that's that's delightful. Yeah, I'm 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 genuinely chuffed with that. Like, I'm, because I I don't think there's any chance of me getting six out of six on any of these because there's always a curveball or two. Mm. Um, so, so this is like this has become my my this has been my goal. Uh, for the last few weeks is to actually best my nemesis. Okay. So, following on from that, when I posted a message about you eating baked beans and how close we were, mm-hmm. uh, your friend of mine, Andy, yeah, generously donated £30 just to see you drink beans. Oh, so this is Andy's fault, is it? Yeah. Do you, do you want to address Andy? Fuck you, Andy. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> See? If it was one of our, if it was just any of our, our regular listeners, I I would have you know taken it on the chin. Yeah. But see, I, I feel like we've mentioned Andy a few times on pod. We have. What, we have. What yeah. listeners need to know is Andy is genuinely one of the kindest, best people that we have in our life. But if <laughs> yes, ever there's an opportunity person. to absolutely take the piss out of somebody, he is spearheading <laughs> that project. <laughs> Uh, so, fantastic. Well done, Andy. Uh, mm. We then have... I think this must have come out once I announced we were doing Kill the Moon and my obsession with the moon being an egg yep. was announced. I'm gonna, can I just say, I'm going to have to edit so many horrible noises out of this week's podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so, this one says, it's again anonymous, imagine the moon poached on toast with real butter, a <laughs> little bit of salt and pepper, I think I think that's in reference to when we discussed how we like to eat eggs. Yeah. This is yeah. a Doctor Who podcast, by Ideal the way, way, for those of you that are joining us this week. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just eggs and beans all the way through. And then it says, David could wash down that beautiful egg with a pint of baked beans. Mm. Okay. I'm trying to I'm about a centimetre into it so far. Uh, I'm trying to burn through it as quick as I can, but this is this is tough going. We then have, this has become a bit of a weekly occurrence as well, anonymous donation, different week, same question, Shag, Marry, Kill, 7th, 8th and ninth Doctor, however, you may replace any of these options with the War Doctor if you wish. Oh, interesting twist there, so, mm. 7, 8, 9, plus possible war. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I am swapping out seven for war just because I haven't seen enough of the seventh Doctor. I feel like to make a to make a good judgment on that. Um, okay, so hmm, war eight and nine. Okay, I've made my choices. Go on. 
I think you... I think you marry the war doctor. Now, uh, hear me out with this. Because, like, he's a troubled soul. Uh -huh. But he needs, he needs your support, you know? And I think... Yeah, I, I just think, you know, you, you, it's just, you know, you, you, you come to him and you say, look, this isn't just your fight. It's time, you know, you've done enough. It's time for you to settle down and to open up a new, a, a wonderful new chapter in your life. I think that would, you know, mm -hmm. that would be uh, the good option. Because I, I, I was toying with uh, marrying the Eighth Doctor, but I don't think you can tie the Eighth Doctor down. He's too beautiful. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you, you know, if you like everything, like if you if you married someone that that beautiful, you'd just be like, oh, you'd be forever worried that someone's going to turn their head because you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, kill kill the ninth. But ah, oh, but do you marry the ninth Doctor? But I don't know. I feel like if you get to the War Doctor. Before he becomes the Ninth Doctor. Because Ninth Doctor is full PTSD. And that's going to be a challenging relationship. See, I, I, I've gone for a very different tact. Yeah, go on. Go for I it. I have, again, excluded the Seventh Doctor. Okay. Like, just because if I was married to him, and he'd be like, oh, I'm so glad we're married. I'd just yeah. be like... Rolling his eyes. Shut your he, face. He, playing the spoons at you. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've gone for. I'm going to shag Paul McGann. Yeah. Okay. So we're in agreement there. Just because he's absolutely beautiful. He is. Yeah. That I, would be I, that would be a night of passion to remember. I'm going to marry Eccleston. Okay. Yeah. Because although yes, he's got his PTSD and he'll wake up in the middle of the night screaming. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he's got a nice wanderlust to him at the same That's time. That's true. That's true. Um, and I'm going to kill the War Doctor. Yeah. Because at the end, I, I would have to kill him before the 50th anniversary special. <laughs> yes. So I would yeah. I would kill him when he's at his lowest and he's looking for a way out himself. And, and in the process, that will mean Gallifrey is not saved. <laughs> well, I'm not fucking from Gallifrey, am I? <laughs> you know, we'll get there when we talk about Kill the Moon, but the Doctor yeah. didn't care about Earth, so fuck Gallifrey. Mm. Fuck yeah. it up, it's stupid ass. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's valid. That's valid. Yeah. Okay. And then just before we jump into the quiz, because we're actually recording a day later than we normally do. Yes. It's Sunday morning. We should be at church. Um, last night, your nemesis must have listened to this week's episode because mm -hmm. he's again donated. This time again, just simply saying, David bested me yet again. So you two are. Out of two against your enemy in recent weeks. Well done. Awesome. So happy with that. Okay. Right. So, are you ready? Having said that, like, I, I don't want to seem like I'm just being an arsehole here. You know, well played. You've been doing, you know, um, it's it's a tough quiz, isn't it? It's a tough quiz. It, it's not easy. It's not easy. Because mm. even right, when then. it is easy, the final question is, like, on specifically which day... <laughs> you know, did the actor who played Doctor Who's cousin's best friend's wife yeah, go to the shop? It's, 
it's it's just I don't know who was setting the questions, whether they were actually a Doctor Who fan or they just had no idea what the level average level of knowledge of a Doctor Who fan would be. There's some real curveballs in there. Right. So, are you sitting comfortably? Uh, no, because I'm drinking a pint of beans. I was going to say, did you want a quick sip of beans just to wet your whistle before we uh, start? I think we better had. Here goes. Bottoms up. Oh. oh, right. Right. Okay, so six questions. Each question's worth one pound. If David scores six out of six, the weekly total is raised to ten pounds. Okay. So, question one is from the topic Time Lords. Yeah. What is the name of the Mexican dictator who was the exact double of the second doctor? Hmm. Ah, so it's the enemy of the world. I watched it quite recently, and I was on a bit of a trout and kick. Salamander. Salamander is correct. One pound in the pot. Okay. Question two is from the topic companions. Mm-hmm. Why was Canton Everett Delaware the third kicked out of the FBI? Because he wanted to marry a man. Correct. Two out of two. Mm-hmm. Next question is episodes and stories. Which third Doctor story centres around an archaeological dig at a place called Devil's Hump in a village called Devil's End? Ah, you could get this one, Matt. That's the demons. It is the demons. Fantastic episode. Really, mm. really, really glad. Okay, years and dates. Okay, this is a, quite often a bit of a stumbling block for you here, David. Okay, let's hit this. Here we go. In which century did the first Doctor meet the telepathic race, the Sensorites? Oh, God. It's some random future century. Um, it's so long since I've seen the Sensorites. Um I'm just going to guess, because it's Moffat's favourite future century, the 51st. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the 28th century. Yeah, I was never going to get that one. Okay. All right. Still an opportunity to get £5 for the week. Yes. Who had imprisoned... Sorry, this is from Monsters, the topic. Yeah. Who had imprisoned the beast beneath Croptor, a planet revolving around a black hole? The Disciples of Darkness... The Disciples of Light, the Light Energy, or the Shadow Proclamation? I'm sure I would remember it specifically if it was the Shadow Proclamation, so I'm ruling that one out. Could you give me the other three again, please? Would you like the whole question again? No, no, no. I know which episode it's referring to. I just can't remember the lines, so... So you have the Disciples of Darkness, the Disciples of Light, or the Light Energy, if you're dismissing the Shadow Proclamation. I am dismissing the Shadow Proclamation. So I'm going to say, I'm going to be kicking myself, it is the Shadow Proclamation. I'm going to say the Disciples of Light. David, it's the Shadow Proclamation. Oh, fuck's sake, is it? Nah, it's the Disciples of Light, mate. Four out of five. (laughs) Wanker. Four out of five. Okay. Okay. So, for five five. So, I've got a chance here to get my best personal score. Yeah. We're all rooting for you. Okay. So this is from Cast, Crew and Beyond. Okay. Is it Beyond? No, I think it's Cast. Okay, all right. So, Sheila Hancock 
starred in the Happiness Patrol with the Seventh Doctor. She was married to an actor famous for his portrayal of which TV detective? And there's four options to choose from. Okay. There's Maigret, I think it's pronounced. Yeah. Or Maigret. Poirot, Morse, or Barnaby. Okay, I've never heard of Barnaby. I can't remember who played Maigret. Um... So Poirot is Suchet, David Suchet, and Inspector Morse. That's uh, oh god, what's the what's the name of that guy? Is it John? John. Thor? Yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna say Morse. David, I'm afraid it was Poirot. Oh, she knew Hancock was married to David Suchet. I did no, not know she was that. married to the guy that played Morse. You got five out of five. What? <laughs> <laughs> so oh. fun this week. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. We're here for the lols. We are. That's exciting. To celebrate, we're going to have another lovely slug of beans. Okay. Five here out of six, David. You've finally broken that glass ceiling. Mmm. Matt, have you ever drunk beans? Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm sort of—I consider myself to be above that, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> you think it lacks a certain dignity? <laughs> yeah, like I—I mm. I, I just think I would have the strength of character to say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are on one today, aren't we? Oh. I don't know if you actually particularly knew this about me. But I, I do have a very hard time turning down food dares. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a very specific thing. Because like, I'm not... I, I will admit to being a fairly cowardly man, all in all. Like, I don't... Um, I, I, I don't like any sort of extreme sports, or indeed any sports, <laughs> um, unless you count snooker. And even then, I only enjoy watching. I would never think to participate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, when it comes to... If someone's got, like, I don't know, really, really spicy chilli sauce or whatever, it was like, um, do, can you down a shot of that? I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. I'll give that a go. And I don't know why that is. But, uh, yeah, I'm an easy touch when it comes to food dares. Having said, this is one of the worst I've ever done. Just going to Without a doubt. With that as well. <laughs> be our new Why do I tell you these things? Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase, never dare a fool? <laughs> no, I haven't, but it, it's, uh, it's apt. No. So, just before we jump into the episode then. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait for you to finish drinking your lovely beans. <laughs> yep. So, I just wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Married to Who. Yeah. Uh, because I am in the process, this week I will be posting them our Secret Santa gifts. Oh, will you? Yeah. I need to get a couple of bits over to you for that. I have. Don't worry, I've collected. I don't want to say desirable gifts, but there's plenty <laughs> of Doctor Who goodness coming, so. Yeah. So I don't... I've been listening to lots of Married to Who this week, you know. Do you know what? I, I listened to their Kill the Moon episode, and they seem slightly yeah. less excited about the revelation that the moon is an egg than we mm. are. But, but well, yeah. we'll see. 
So yeah, yeah. so I haven't if, got that if far you want yet. a Doctor Who podcast that actually talks about Doctor Who in the first sort of <laughs> half hour of their podcast, give Married to Who a go. Because yeah. what are we up to now? We're nearly at 40 I minutes. mean, to be fair, we, we used to be like that. There was a time. <laughs> it's just... I, I, it's I've just noticed. A, if, yeah. It, it, it's when we went into lockdown. And... Mm. and because I used to collect you, we'd have a little chat in the car, then we'd record this. Now we don't have that chat time. Yeah, we get it all out of our system beforehand, wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. Plus, I think if you listen to our episodes from the beginning of lockdown, you can plot our descent into chaos and madness. <laughs> you, know, you know, it starts with... You can assign sensible... a numerical value to it. It starts with a sensible conversation about Doctor Who, and it ends with a man drinking a pint of baked beans. <laughs> You know, I'm almost getting into the swing of it now. Really? You've got a taste for it? No, no, no. I wouldn't go that far. I'm just saying, I've I've got a bit of a rhythm going now. I think right. I think I I can I can gauge my level a bit better. Wow. So more than about five beans and a mouthful, and it becomes a struggle. Okay. So here's a challenge for our listeners as well, as well as guessing what that uh, picture of me having fun was. Um, just leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Just mention this is the podcast where they drink beans all the time. Yeah, you know. come on, bare fucking minimum, guys. I'm <laughs> doing know. this for you. Let's, let's just cast our net a bit. You know, the whole Doctor Who thing hasn't really worked for us in the past, you know? <laughs> let's just go for beans. Like, there's that, there's that YouTube channel where they all eat spicy chicken wings, isn't there? We could do that, but we'd just oh, be yeah. like, oh, you've got a neck a pint of beans. Yeah, I mean to be fair, there are there the world is awash with Doctor Who podcast at this point. We knew we knew going into this that this was not a unique idea. People watching Doctor Who and then talking about it on a podcast. But uh, as far as I am aware, there is no other Doctor Who podcast that prominently features a man drinking a pint of beans. So. No, Im- imagine if we like if we landed the big one and we got an interview with say Tennant, and we were like, "Hi, David." <laughs> Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Sit yourself down. Uh, there's a pint of beans there for you. Anyway, and he'd just be like, sorry, sorry, what? Do you say pint of beans? Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Genuinely help, ju- help yourself. It's. Uh, I'd have to tell him that you were like Moroccan or something and it's your local cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> just like da- ju- David ju- insists ju- on it. It's his local cuisine. His mum has made this special drink for you. Uh-oh. Oh, Matt, you genuinely made me spit take beans there. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is was... getting, it's getting disgusting. Right. You have but yourself to blame, Matt. All right, kill the moon. Kill the moon. Okay, so episode seven of season eight. First episode written by Peter Harness, new writer yep. for the series. Um, and yeah, good episode, bad episode. Where are you rating Kill the Moon? Um. Uh... I honestly, I don't know, because I, I would say bad episode, but it's brought me yeah. so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> so is it like so bad it's good for you? Like, is that kind of where you're landing on it? Like, the ending is actually quite good, mm. but the absurdity of the moon being an egg, like, yeah. I've obsessed over that this week. I cannot get that mm. idea out my head. 
<coughs> so there's that very there's that very powerful speech uh, towards the end of Vincent and the Doctor. Uh, pile of good things, pile of bad things. You know, um, you know the speech I'm referring to, yeah, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and now, obviously, in that context, it's very much talking about you know uh, the, the the human condition and our emotions and 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 you know how how incidents can affect our lives. But if we if we cheapen that rather and just apply that same logic to kill the moon, I would say you've got a pile of bad things, mm-hmm. which are just inarguably like just mad ideas that do not work (laughs) but then you've got a pile of good things and in that pile i'd be throwing in things like uh the performances of peter capaldi and jenna coleman i think are just fantastic Mm -hmm. you know they are doing amazing work and and there are certain scenes and emotional beats that hit on especially as you say the end that are incredible and powerful and the central idea of the doctor looking at a choice that humanity has to make and saying, like, I've got to sit this one out, guys, and the way that affects Clara and, uh, and stuff, that, I think, is really, really solid. The main problem is that the, 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 the actual textual idea that they came up with to engineer that situation and to give us those emotional beats was that the moon is an egg. Yeah. Like... Uh, the moon it's just... is an egg. Yeah, <laughs> like... it's so it's so completely left field. Like, even for Doctor Who. Like, I will admit, Doctor Who is not what you would call hard science fiction. You know, it is whimsical and it's strange and it indulges in the sort of, like, sci-fi as magic kind of thing, you know. It's not, it's not afraid to dip into the realms of the fairy tale. But... For some reason, and I don't know if it's just the execution or what, but the, the moon is an egg. It just feels like a bridge too far, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, even for Doctor the, Who, we've had the Earth is a spaceship, and that makes yeah. more sense than the moon is an egg. Yeah, and the thing it's... is, I think it's because at the time they explained it and they said, you know, oh, it was the first thing in the solar system, and gravity pulled rocks to the spaceship and it formed around it. Whereas here, uh-huh. the explanation is the Doctor may as well just look dead down the camera and go, the moon is an egg. You know, he <laughs> uses the line, the moon is an egg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, boy, it's something else. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've always struggled with this episode in terms of trying to just figure out how I feel about it because the good bits I genuinely think are fantastic that the performances are great and the emotional journey that Clara is on here is one of the most I think exciting and different things we've seen in in Doctor Who uh, or certainly in New Who you know eight series in we've never seen a, a companion being pushed and challenged in the ways that Clara is mm-hmm. In, across this series, but especially it's kind of, this is coming like, this is like almost uh, coming to a head here, really. Everything that's been building up over the course of the seri- uh, this series. Um, and it's really, really good. Like, genuinely, like that final confrontation in the TARDIS at the end, just one of, like, one of the standout scenes of Series 8 mm. for me. The thing is, like, as well, throughout Series 8, we've been saying, oh, this is a darker Doctor. Oh, this Doctor yeah. doesn't care. And finally, he's just getting cold on all his bullshit. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil things for you, but like th- this is a moment that obviously does have ramifications. Like, but I, I, I would say as much as Clara's on a journey here, the doctor is on a journey as well. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a key stop on that journey. Um, so, I, you know, we'll wait to see what, you know, what the consequences of that are. Um, but I love all that. So it's not like it's not an episode like Fear Her, which you could just skip entirely. Doesn't really have any redeeming factors. It's a boring story. It's a bit weird. It's not told particularly well. It's, you know, and you could you could skip it and be, you know, just carry on like normal. You have to acknowledge what happens in this episode mm-hmm. for the rest of the series to kind of make sense. Um, but that that the main pl- plot is just bananas, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 worse worse than that, it's bananas, and it's not pulled off particularly well. I don't think we'll we'll get more into the specifics as we go in a moment. I mean, but I, I've raised a few points this week. Yeah, all human understanding of science just gets thrown out the window with this episode. Yeah, it's it's like. And as I say, Doctor Who is not, you know, we, we had an episode in series two where the Doctor fights the devil. This is not, yeah. you know, this yeah. is not that Plus, kind uh, of like I say, science fiction. Week, we we have got the Christian God in this series. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you're sticking with that theory, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this episode, man, I, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> should we just get, should we just... Yeah. Go through it beat by beat and see. Okay, so we're in the year uh-huh. 2049. Yeah. On the moon. Yeah. Or the egg to its close friend. <laughs> <laughs> of all the episodes for me to be drinking a pint of beans in, this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and Clara, Clara, Clara. Clara. Uh, I nearly went full Capaldi there, like Clara. <laughs> Clara. Uh, uh, she has a terrible decision to make. Okay, the doctor's not there. Uh, however, Courtney is there. Yeah. And they have 45 minutes to decide. Do they choose one life or all of mankind? Yeah. So And so already, it, fuck this episode, I hate that as a cold open. Like, uh, just that trope of, we'll show you almost the end of the episode, kind of like the, 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 the crisis point, and then it'll be like, and two days earlier. Ah, oh, that seems like so cheap and hacky to me. Uh, however, when it said one life or all mankind, I thought that life would be the Doctor. Mm. Um, obviously, he's not there, but misled. So as you say, we jump back in time. Yeah. So the Doctor and Clara are back at school, and... They are discussing the fact that Courtney stole the psychic paper and has used it to buy booze. Yeah. I quite like that as a gag. Yeah. So, Courtney's on the TARDIS. Yep. And she's tidying up and trying to make amends for being travel sick in her adventure. Yeah. So, is this immediately following last week or has she been out with the Doctor again? I think it's quite close on the heels. I feel like she... I don't think she's been out with the Doctor again. But I think it's maybe just a few days later. So Clara wants the Doctor to instill a bit of confidence in Courtney and tell her she is special. So he says, well, why don't you become the first woman to walk on the moon? Or the egg. So Can I say, I don't 
I don't like this premise that the Doctor doesn't want to say that Courtney's special. Because that, to me, flies in the face of wonderful lines that we've had from the Doctor before along the lines of, um, uh, you know, 2,000 or, you know, 900 years of, uh, of travelling in time and space. I've never met any, anyone who isn't important. And, you know, stuff like that. This this is in direct contradiction to to that basic ethos. Mm. So to me that that doesn't quite ring true, but yeah, that's what we got. So they land in twenty forty nine. There's yep. a space shuttle there. They land on board it, and it's full of nuclear bombs. It's always nuclear bombs with Doctor Who. I was it? thinking that when I watched this one. Yeah. It's always like the big trouble. It's like, uh, do what I say or I'll set off some nuclear bombs. Yeah. And as as this episode goes on, it makes you wonder, like, what were they planning to do with all those nuclear bombs? Do they say in the episode? Mm. Like, they weren't... I don't think they went in with the plan of blowing up the moon, surely, because, you know, the moon was... You know, the, the, the point is that they need the moon. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and they just wanted to fix the moon, but anyway. I don't know. Uh, just to go off on a wee tangent. Yeah. Would would this... I'm trying to think. 2014. So this would have been way after, like, the Iraqi conflict, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. So I, I'm just trying to work out why it's always nuclear bombs. But... Um, just because it's it's, like, the, the, the go-to easy... This is big and powerful and bad, you know. So the shuttle crashes, but amazingly, none of the bombs go off. Mm -hmm. And the shuttle crew arrive. Now, I did like this little bit where the doctor says, you know, if you're going to shoot us, shoot Courtney first. She's only young. She doesn't need to see everyone die. Yeah. Everyone else is like, you don't shoot a child. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he just immediately calls their bluff. And I love Capaldi's performance in this moment because, like, he's talking, he's saying all this, and he's doing it in this kind of really absent-minded way whilst, like, pacing about and jumping because he's, like, testing the gravity as he's talking. Yeah, so he's and, playing with a yo-yo at the same time. Yeah, and, like, it, he is, he's just so doctory in that moment. Mm. I really love that. So the reason he's testing the gravity is weird is that he says the moon has put on weight. So he says if the moon has changed, then Earth's tides will change. You know, it could cause flooding, tsunamis, what have you. So there is a plan to blow up the moon. So they do say it. I'll be honest, I'd had a bit to drink to get through this episode. (laughs) What's your tipple? Beans? I had a I, I had a I had a can of Doom Bar whilst I was watching it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No beans. No beans. Okay. I could just imagine you with like a bowl of beans, putting your hand in it like peanuts at a bar snack, <laughs> but you're just picking up wet, sodden <laughs> beans. Okay, so they head out and walk onto the moon, which is quite obviously just a quarry somewhere in classic Doctor Who style. Yep. So the crew of this shuttle is made up of Lundvik. Yep. Who has no discerning qualities other than she is the leader lady. Oh, let's talk about Lundvik. Because, I I mean, I would disagree. 
I think she. Okay, generally, this you could argue this maybe at least the first half is sort of your classic base under siege Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and what what you need for base under siege to work is um, is distinctive crew members with a bit of humanity to them. She genuinely, she just walks around for this entire episode with a face like a slapped ass, moaning, yeah. and. Look, I I get it. I get that the the idea was like Earth's in a bad way. She's got a job to do. Blah, blah, blah. But there's like there was basically almost no humanity to her. It's very one dimensional, isn't it? Yeah, really, really one dimensional. And I don't blame the actress particularly. I think I blame Peter Harness's writing primarily for that. That she, she's not given any other dimensions to work with. Um, but as a result. This particular crew and, uh, well, the rest of the crew are basically just, you know, they might as well be m- mops on, you know, being wheeled well, yeah, around by... The other two are Duke and Henry. Yeah. Who, you know, if if you didn't have TARDIS Wikier up to learn their names, you would never you... have found that out. No, no. Um, they're, they're effectively bloke one and bloke two, aren't they? They are. And... Uh, yeah, I just feel like it, it fails doing the base under siege thing because you don't give a shit about anyone on the base. Yeah, so it, it's off to a bad start there for, for me, I think. Okay. So the reason they are there is there is a mining excavation that had gone wrong uh, that had four crewmen who disappeared ten years ago. So as they begin to investigate, there are cobwebs around the base and the surface of the moon. And eventually, Courtney finds a body. Yeah. Uh, which, I, I don't know, it's quite... I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's quite well acted. Yeah. You know, I, how I many th- times have we seen people just discover a skeleton in a spacesuit? Yeah, and just be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I... I forget the name of the the the, uh, the girl playing Courtney, but she is actually very good in this. I would say, um, yeah, get, you know, by by sort of typical child actor standards, she certainly she outshines um, whoever it was in um, series seven. You know, the kids that Clara was, mm. I f- Angie and Artie. Yeah. yeah, God, I mean. I do kind of wish Doctor Who would stop it with this. It seems to be coming a bit of a trend in in these series of just like randomly chucking kids onto the TARDIS for an episode or two. Um, I could do without it, but uh, yeah, at least Courtney, I would say, is a step up from what we've had. So they turned the base power back on, and mm-hmm. it turns out that there was no minerals to mine on the moon. So bit of mystery there what was this mining excavation up to yeah uh and it turns out the moon is falling to bits yeah and as they make this discovery one of the crewmen it's either duke or henry i don't know which one sees a beast down a hole are you still that sorry just had a big gulp of beans (laughs) yeah sounded delicious how how far through the night are you not even halfway. Ah, oh, there's still time. Oh, so this is deeply upsetting. <laughs> Brilliant. 
it turns out that the beast they see down the hall, and uh, I need a bit of help with this. Yeah. I refer to it as a unicellular prokaryote. Yeah. Now, okay. Unicellular means it's made means of one, one cell, cell, obviously. Yes. Which yeah. this creature isn't. Yeah. You know, it's clearly it's got like legs and stuff, like yeah. different, like like joints and, and 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 things, not just like individual tendrils or something. But anyway, so, yes. So we go. Prokaryote cells as well mm-hmm. don't have a nucleus; they just have like a plasmid, loose strain of DNA. Okay. So it it's far too complicated a creature to be a prokaryote. Yeah. Because the opposite is eukaryote, and that's the cells that make up like me, you, plants, birds, everything. Yeah. So it, they've it's just, just thrown it's... in. Yeah, I think there was a way to do this concept. I think if you if you de- depicted them as like big weird blobs with with like loose flappy tendrils, people would go with that. It's like oh, it's just yeah. a massive single cell organism. Like obviously, no, it's, it's, a, an, it's like an ant. Yeah, or a spider or something. It's, yeah, it's insectoid, which just like. It, it doesn't ring true to anyone's basic understanding of what cells look like. When you look at... Basically, it needs to look a bit like the sort of diagram of a cell you might see in a scientific textbook. But it doesn't. It looks like a complex insectoid creature. So you can't then buy that concept. See, I, I did, the reason I was going to ask you about it is... Yeah. Later on, the doctor says, you know, they've been here for millions and billions of years... So I wondered, were they single-cell organisms that have evolved into these large spider things? Maybe, but he like scans it and says it's a single-cell organism. Yeah, and they're able to kill it with, like, germline. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of what tips them off. It's, yeah. yeah. Bullshit. And Absolute sadly, bullshit. not the dumbest part of this episode. No. Thankfully, we've got, like, absolute truths, like the moon being an egg, to... Mm. Anchor us. So, they then enter the base, and there's one of these spider creatures. They work out it detects movement, so they all stand perfectly still until, well, Duke doesn't, and it attacks him. Yep. And everyone manages to escape except Courtney. Yeah. But the doctor uses his yo yo to save her. Yeah. Again, a bit weird, that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yo-yo like, antics, to- that's, that's it's pretty... It's tonally inconsistent with the episode, isn't it? The I mean, the episode itself is tonally inconsistent. That's one of its hallmarks, yeah. is that it's just completely all over the shop. So, Courtney kills it with antibacterial spray. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point, it's called a unicellular prokaryote, but it isn't. They refer to it as a giant germ. Yeah. Which, again, it isn't. Yeah. Thankfully, whenever I stop talking, there's just enough of a pause for everyone to hear you drinking beans at the moment, David. Yeah, I'm editing a lot of that out because I I want us to still have some listeners after this week's episode. (laughs) So, Courtney asks to be taken home. She's sort of had enough of this adventure already. Yeah. But rather than doing that, the Doctor realises there's a problem to solve here, so he just puts her on the TARDIS. 
Yeah. And we get an interesting conversation about paradoxes here. So Clara says the moon doesn't blow up because she's seen it in the future. But the Doctor says, well, how do we know that is the moon? How do we know it's not a projection of the moon or a second moon? He said, we've seen it, but we haven't been to it. We don't actually know what that thing is Yeah, that we believe is the moon. So the Doctor then has a nice speech with Lundvig and says that she needs their help. So Doctor, Clara and Lundvig find the other three corpses as another big germ attacks. Okay, and it yeah. turns out when they look beneath the surface of the moon, there's absolutely loads of them, like a full infestation. Mm-hmm. So as the doctor investigates, he shoots his yo-yo down the hole to see what is there, and it's amniotic fluid. Mm. Thanks, thanks for your input. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what I genuinely I don't know what to say about that. It's like I mean, on brand for this, this insane episode yeah so sensing there's something bigger going on the doctor jumps down the hole yeah okay and just to sort of age this episode courtney is back on the tardis and she's just on tumblr yes yeah oh i i love a very specific social media reference in doctor who do you remember um one of my favorite lines for that um is in uh, Utopia uh, with with Tennant and and Martha and, and Jack. Martha and Jack are kind of standing around having a chat, and the Tennant says something like, "Here we are at the end of you know the universe, and you two are just standing around blogging." <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, that's not what blogging is, but okay, Doctor. Um, it almost makes me think of like how there's a lot of stuff in uh, the Troughton years where he's the Tra- Troughton goes on about how much he hates computers, and it's just like, um, yeah, I love it when Doctor Who shows its age. It's it's a charm. It's a genuinely charming thing. So as much as that episode that line dates it, it dates it in such a specific way that I think in years to come will come across quite charming. Uh, and it's helped as again by the one good line that I actually really like from is it Lundvig? You say the the um, leader. It is, of the, yeah. yeah. Uh, when she says, ah, my granny used to put things on Tumblr. Yeah. I quite like that. You know, that's. I think that's the one moment of humanity we get for that character <laughs> over the entire episode. So I, I, I hold on to that for dear life, really. I, I think it's funny. For example, my mum refuses to have a Facebook page because yeah. Facebook's the devil. Yeah. But my mum does have an Instagram page. And I tried explaining to her that the company that owns Instagram is Facebook. Yes. And she was she was like, oh, oh, oh dear. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, just... I mean, at least you have some means of communicating with your mother. Um, until very recently, my because my mum's, I think, probably a touch older than, than yours. Um, so my mum's early 60s. Mm, yeah, so a few years. Not, not much older, but... Um, but yeah, my my mum until very recently used to just have like a a proper old school brick um, mobile phone, and she would only switch it on if she needed to make an outgoing call. Oh really? And like the moment she'd finish using it, off it goes. So there was no way to contact her on her mobile. Mm. Um, I, I think it's really weird. Like for example, when 
my wife and I moved in together. Yeah. And we wanted the internet. But you yeah. still have to have a landline phone. Oh, yeah, it's so annoying. Like, unless you get fibre optic, which um, good luck with that in these parts. <laughs> yeah. And the only time our phone ever rings, it's always like someone saying that we've been in a car accident and blah, 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 you know, like a scam. Yeah. We so, just don't have ours plugged in. Yeah, we should really unplug ours. We just yeah. have, like, every so often there'll just be a loud beeping how- noise in our house and we yeah. just have to ignore it for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird how, how, like, it just... There was a time when it was still necessary. Like, not, you know, not that long ago, maybe five, ten years ago. But it has just become completely superfluous at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Uh, where were so, we? They find what is left of Henry. Yeah. And the shuttle begins to fall into the hole. Okay. So, the Doctor is concerned that obviously the TARDIS is on the shuttle yeah. and Courtney and is on, on the, the TARDIS. TARDIS. So yeah. Courtney is now falling to the centre of the moon. Mm. So he uses the sonic screwdriver to lock onto her phone via Tumblr to see where the TARDIS is. Mm-hmm. Okay, And this is the point where the Doctor shows us what is inside the moon. Yeah. And we get the infamous revelation... The moon is an egg. How were you feeling in that moment, Matt? Like, they'd done a little bit to kind of prime you for the revelation, but was it still coming out of nowhere for you? Uh, Well, I mean, last week I joked that the moon would be a Frankenstein egg. That's true, you did, didn't you? And to see that it actually was an egg... I don't know, part of me was excited, but part of me was really deflated and disappointed that's what they've actually gone for it's um yeah it's a thing for sure yeah so the doctor says whatever it is it's the only one in existence it should be preserved ludwig wants it dead yeah now in a hark back to time heist the doctor says kill the moon Mm-hmm. So rather than in Time Heist where he says this is a time travel heist, yeah. you get the name of the episode. Well done. Yeah, he's not like, for it's time to destroy the moon. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's eviscerate Earth's natural satellite. <laughs> <laughs> so Ludwig says we're going to kill it. That'll save the Earth. And the Doctor says, go on then if you want. You know, I'm not going to do anything. It's not my home. It's not my choice. It's up to you guys. So the Doctor releases Courtney from the TARDIS and then gets aboard the TARDIS himself and disappears, says, you know, it's up to you. You're mankind. You need to make this choice. Yeah. That's okay. This is really interesting. Um, Genuinely, this is a really interesting decision on the Doctor's part, you know. Um... Because it's it, it does kind of fly in the face of his general MO where he's he's all about stepping in and lending a helping hand. And on this one he's just like, No, off your tuddle. Mm. Um so how 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 did you feel about that when it was happening? Did you feel like this was out of character? Did you feel like this was No, you know... I felt it was what this episode needed. You know, it it was pretty standard fare up until this point, wasn't it? 
Yeah. So, to take a very silly premise and turn it into, you know, quite a deep conversation about choice and who's right it is, I felt this was almost like a turning point of the episode. Definitely, yeah. Um, so, definitely, like I think, I think you have to to get any enjoyment out of the rest of it. You have to go with it. You have to just be like, okay, fine, we're doing this. The moon is an egg. What matters here is not that idea, but how the characters are responding to it. If that makes sense. So there's a few potential issues here. Yeah, we need to blow the moon up. If we yeah. do. First and foremost, we don't have a moon, so the tides would be totally fucked. Yeah, I mean they're already pretty Sec- fucked by the sounds of it. But like, you don't, you, you, I don't see how no moon is going to be better. Secondly, if we blow the moon up, there's going to be shards of giant rock flying towards the earth. Yeah. And finally, if we don't blow the moon up, there's potentially a massive monster inside it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they talk about it for ages. Ludwig sets the detonator for one hour and basically yeah. says, we have one hour to consider this. Otherwise, you know, we have to take one course of action. If we yes. can't choose otherwise, this is the one we're taking. This is, ha- okay? is what's happening. So they, yeah. they receive a message from ground control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it says, this is ground control to Major Tom. <laughs> Get that little Bowie joke. I just noticed he slurped yep. some beans there, so I was hoping yep. I could make a... It, albeit a cheap joke, I was just hoping... <laughs> I imagine now your laptop's just sprayed with bean laughter juice. Oh, I, I, I've managed to direct it away from the laptop screen, but um, yeah, this is this is getting so ugly, now I guys. just imagine your young child coated in bean spray. <laughs> So, Clara speaks to Earth and says, we're going to make this decision as the human race in its entirety. We can see the Earth. You know, I think it's like, if you want us to blow the moon up, switch your lights off. If you don't, Mm -hmm. keep them on. Um, So. Okay, hang on. I have thoughts about this. I don't know whether you consider this, because in the grand scheme of things, this is not the dumbest part of this episode by any stretch. We know what that is. That's the idea that the moon's an egg. But um, have you considered the fact that that basically disenfranchises half of the world's population? Yeah. Because only half of it's actually in darkness and facing the moon. I've got a younger brother that lives in Australia. Yeah. And I can just imagine I'd be up all night like, oh, no, I'm going to blow the moon up. And he wakes up, you know, pulls back the curtain, looks out the window, and the moon just fucking explodes right outside <laughs> his window. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's it's. It, but that's the idea they're gone with. I got, I know why they're gone with it because of the visual element of it and and stuff. But uh, yeah, so humanity makes its decision. Yeah. So they run about for a bit. Mm-hmm. And Clara decides it's okay to blow the moon up, so she agrees to accept Earth's decision to blow the moon up. Right. However, as the countdown is about to hit zero, she hits the big red button and stops yeah. Earth 
from nuking the moon. Okay. So Just, that's kind of, uh, in some ways, sorry, I was going to say, that's kind of an echo of um, what happens in The Beast Below with Amy. I don't know if you can think that far back, but... Um, All I can remember is there's a big whale. Yeah, so basically there's the decisions being made uh, um, and, and, you know, like the sad decision is being made, um, you know, that the, the, the whale's basically going to be lobotomized and so it can carry on in relative, uh, you know, comparative ease. But um, then Amy intervenes at that moment and like releases the whale so it's free to make its own choices and then it carries on doing, you know, carrying Starship uk same as it was um so it's it's just it's it's that same parallel of a decision has been made and the companion makes the decision to overrule the original decision you know and the decision they make is the what is the more immediately compassionate one mm -hmm. um uh luckily for clara it all works out in the end yeah because um, they disappear on the tardis yes the doctor rescues them and they land on a beach just in time to watch the moon blow up. Mm. And unlike Beast Below, where Amy at least has some frame of reference for making her choice, um, where where she sort of like she basically she sees a parallel between the Doctor and the Whale, you know, kind and lonely, and you know all all of that. Um, there is no basis whatsoever on which to formulate the opinion that this is going to be a safe thing to do, <laughs> to just leave. Nah. Um, and look, I'm, I'm generally... One of the things I love about Doctor Who is that it is a show that advances a, a general message of uh, compassion and understanding and reason and intelligence triumphing over you know knee-jerk violent solutions like that's kind of you know that that is one of the sort of core underpinnings of the show so i'm, I'm completely on board with that but clara's decision in that moment is so completely irrational and baseless that it's kind of hard for me to completely get behind and be like, yeah, good job, Clara. You did the right thing there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it does all work out in the end and great, but th there was, she had no basis on which to, to predict that outcome. She didn't know the moon, the moon dragon was going to lay a new moon egg. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we'll get a moon we'll, dragon. We'll just called it a but... giant friendly moth. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is where I just want to mention our friends at Married to Who again. Okay. Because e each week, I I delve into their latest episode. Okay, mm -hmm. so I I don't listen to it because I'm trying to avoid any spoilers. Mm -hmm. But usually, you know, our recording schedule's a little out of sync. So if we ask them a question. The answer will come a week or two later. So I like yes. to just listen to their sort of tweet section. Yeah. Just to see what's going on. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Lake House about a time-travelling post box. Um, I haven't, but uh, it's but, a bit like that, is it? But I listened this week. And yeah. Jake was discussing the fact that we obsessed about the time dragons. You know, are they the reapers? Mm -hmm. And how we 
well, I say we, how I insisted they were going to come back all the time. Okay, so just from now on, I just want him to be totally aware I'm going to be talking about the moon moth forever. <laughs> okay, you haven't heard the last of this, Jake, don't worry. So yeah, massive, big, friendly moon moth. Big moth yeah. motherfucker just breaks out of the moon. And... But it turns out, as soon as it hatched, it was pregnant and it laid a new moon. <laughs> I mean, we don't know how the biology of moon moths work. Apparently, they they have you know their eggs can sustain multicellular single cell organisms. So. Yeah, but it must also be like it must be like a treble from Star Trek. You know how they're born pregnant. Mm. It must be a bit like that, like asexual reproduction whilst gestating. Who knows? Who knows? But there's an important fact that we sort of haven't really mentioned. And that is earlier when asked to make a choice and whether the moon is an egg and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The, doc- the doctor says that although he has knowledge of the future, there's parts of it that are cloudy that he can't see clearly. Yeah. When discussing like fixed events and, mm-hmm. you know, how you can change events. Very and convenient, s- that, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah, because as soon as the moon blows up and he sees... I mean, it is an awful line where he goes, let's call it a new moon. Oh, that is bad, isn't it? Yeah. But but Clara asks if he knew that was going to happen. And he says, you know, well, mankind always survives. They always endure. And for once, in this year, 2049, they were forced to look up. Okay? And this is the start of mankind... Exploring further, looking into space, blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. So he says he didn't know that was going to happen, but he says, you know, I knew you would make the right choice. That was the only thing he was certain of. Okay. So then they have a little chat. He says that Courtney's going to become president of the United States, which obviously can't happen because you have to be born in America for that to happen. I think that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't become president. Yep. But Clara is absolutely fuming. Yeah. She yeah. says the doctor doesn't respect her, doesn't respect the human race, and he should leave. Holy shit, Jenna Coleman's performance in that scene. Yeah. She's good, isn't she? After we, like, slated her last series. Well, when she's thing. actually I... given something to do. Exactly. And that's why I, I was always reticent with, with like... The, the problem with Clara in Series 7 was never Jenna Coleman. Mm. It was it was the fact that the writers hadn't... They were so fixed on the mystery of the impossible girl that they didn't think to give the impossible girl a personality. Um, and there are touches here and there. There are moments... I did try to highlight as we're going through Series 7... Where like, oh, that's that's the Clara I know coming through. But that was me, with the benefit of hindsight, with all the full context of everything that Clara goes on to do in, 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 in series eight, um, being able to kind of retrofit that, if you like. And and, and see those moments and be like, ah, oh, okay, yep, there's Clara. Um, just for a second, there she was. <laughs> um but yeah, we we, it's so Jenna Common is fantastic in this, and we have never seen a companion Doctor relationship like this in New Who before, where 
there is so much tension and she's so willing to push back on and call the doctor out on his bullshit um so it's quite quite exciting to see i think um and it, and ultimately it's kind of a heartbreaking scene it's a breakup mm. you know but i i like that i mean i have no knowledge of what's coming i, I assume yeah. it's not the last will have seen of clara but no i don't think it's a spoiler I, to say that but i think it's good if this was the end mm. you know usually if we think about it rose sort of left in tragedy yeah uh, martha pretty much just had enough yeah just got fed donna, <laughs> the doctor donna ended in tragedy yeah uh who have we had since then amy and rory amy and rory ended in tragedy Tra- so tragedy it, tinged with at least they had a nice life you know yeah it was but... bittersweet yeah whereas here it's nice to see that someone's realized they're on the path to tragedy yeah they've had enough yeah yeah but it's a very like heat of the moment thing and that's kind of what is addressed in the the following scene with danny isn't it yeah um yeah so yeah i i did quite like this as a scene yeah So, so yeah like we say she's back at school with danny who it's good to see, because last week it was all about him and he's barely in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he comes to chat and basically says, calm down, you're going to have to speak to the Doctor when you're not so wound up. Uh, yeah. So Clara goes home to calm her nerves and has a good old stare at the moon. Which is fucking massive in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, the moon is not that big. I'm big, sorry, big old moon egg. Even when you have have one of those super moons, it is still like five times bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there you go. That's the note it ends on. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say about this episode? <sighs> what is there to say, Matt? I like as 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 I said up top. The good bits, it, you know, it, it goes back to that that speech from from Matt Smith in Vincent the Doctor. The bad bits don't necessarily make the good bits less valid or unimportant. The 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 emotional core of what happens between Clara and the Doctor, I love, and I think Capaldi's performance is great in this. He's so just kind of off kilter and weird. Um, but in a really fun, engaging, entertaining sort of way. Uh, and, and yeah, and Clara is... Uh, yeah, Jenna Carmen's amazing in this. Um, more or less everything else about this is in the bad pile for me. So it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I can't. I can't just outright say this is a bad episode of Doctor Who. Because in some ways it sets out, it does exactly what it sets out to do. Um, but if, man, some crazy ideas and so much tonal whiplash in this story. It's a hard watch. Yeah, um, but like, I, it, I think it's one with the passage of time. When I remember this episode, I'll forget the bad bits and just focus on like, you know. The moon's an egg. So you don't class that as a bad bit, then? The moon's an egg? No, I think that's just, like, good fun. Good fun. I mean, 
You think me drinking a pint of beans is good fun, so... How, how are you getting on? I have maybe three mouthfuls left. I'll, I'll just down these. You you talk to the listeners for, for a minute. Okay. So, one thing I was going to mention is, uh, at the time of recording, tomorrow is Doctor Who Day. So, I assume people will be celebrating and, you know, reminiscing about the best parts of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best part of the show, Doctor Who is our podcast and all the lovely friends we've made over the years whilst we've been putting this together. Um, I'd love to keep talking. David's slowly Mm. drinking his beans. I'm nearly there. Excellent. Excellent. You know, if you want to nominate us for one of those, like, Sony podcast awards, (laughs) I think this is... This is where, where we'll go with that. Yeah, this is podcasting gold. Um... Okay, right. Last mouthful. Here we go. Here we go. Cheers, everyone. Chin chin. (laughs) He's done it. Fuck me. I feel so ill right now. (laughs) Oh, well. Are we going to get a little picture to put on Twitter of an empty bean pint glass? Oh, I will do. I'm so proud of you. Oh, never again. Never again. Uh, Um, So, so fish fingers and custard for you next week, is it? uh, Yeah, quite probably, yeah. Why not? I think you've done well. Uh, How many fish fingers do you think is fair? If we're doing equivalency to... I think, I'll have to double check the scene. I believe it's three he goes for. Right. In that scene. But, Which is a standard serving, I would say. Is that equal to a pint of beans? Because no one would, in their right mind, to eat that many beans. Like, was that just one tin it, of beans or more? It was, uh, I would say, it, let me check. It was um close to one and a half, about one and a third tins of beans. Right. I, so I, I'll, I mean, I'll do five fish fingers, because that's one I'm and a half. I genuinely may serve. not eat anything else for the rest of the day. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're going to go for five fish fingers. So, the reason we're recording on a Sunday rather than Saturday is... Yeah. Because it's whilst my wife's out the house. Yeah. Imagine she wakes up next weekend and she's just on her way out (coughs) and she just notices early in the morning I'm just popping in some fish fingers (laughs) and just blasting (laughs) some custard in the microwave. (coughs) Oh, well. Right. Now... Something to look forward to next week. But, David, just before we wrap up, because I think we've hit the end of the road. We have. Now, we all know what you've had for breakfast this week. What are you having for Mm. lunch and dinner? Probably nothing. I I feel so ill right now. The the, the thought of eating anything else is... Is it like um... when a snake eats a pig and it just lays in the sun? That's how I feel right now. This is... uh, I'm not in a good way. I'm so proud of you. Uh, what are you having then? Um, I think I'm just having like pasta and pesto for tea. No, uh, no Tom Baker spaghetti with carbonara this week. So, should we call time wrap up there? I think. Well, uh, yes, I would say so. But we do need to mention what we're watching next week. Oh, here we go. Is it going to be like England is a sandwich or something like that? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's not really an, it's not that difficult a one in terms of speculation. Um, it's one of those does what it says on the tin episodes to a large extent. It is called Mummy on the Orient Express. Oh, usually, I joke about it being a Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. If it's a mummy. I don't know. Is it a mummy mummy or is it going to be like... It could be a Frankenstein mummy. Who knows? It could be a Frankenstein's mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. All right. Well, as ever, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, until next week, cheerio. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <laughs>